the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Beyond that, Christ is saying there's a private place with God, and He wants you there, where a rendezvous with God the Father can occur in the secret place of your life, the most important place. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Tanko concludes the message we started the last time we were together, entitled The Yahweh Prayer. That's The Yahweh Prayer, and if you've missed any portion of this message, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Tanko. He moves from Father God to us, to what we need in our lives. We are your children because we honor and we carry your name. Jesus starts with the moral purpose of our Father God as he moves out in the Yahweh prayer from that vantage point of heavenly authority to earthly authority in our lives. Matthew 6.10 Thy kingdom come. I mean, don't keep it up there. Don't keep your name and your law way up there. Bring it into our lives. Thy will be done, he says, on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's will? I've asked that. Have you ever prayed a prayer? What is God's will for me? Have you ever prayed for a sign? Well, I was praying for someone to marry once. I said, Lord, please, have me marry this person. Give me a sign. And you know what the sign was? I didn't marry them. That's a good sign. Instead, I married Diana. Great outcome. You know, when we pray for God's will, we want God to give us what we need, not what we want necessarily. In the context, God's will is His holy name, which is His Ten Commandment law of love that is the spoken description of the I am who I am God, what He really is. When you revere God's name, you're really seeking to keep the Ten Commandments. When you recognize His name as holy, you're recognizing the holy unity of His law right here on earth as heaven keeps it. Friend, as fallen beings, we can't obey God's law without Jesus in our lives. Have you ever broken the law of God? Oh, come on. Confession time. Raise the hands. Oh, I broke the law of God. Did you break it last week a little bit? Oh, just a little bit. You did. Think of the condescension of Jesus here. Recognizing that we are intrinsically lawbreakers, he brings us into the attitude of bringing the name of God into our lives. He does not hold that against us in our fallen state. As fallen beings, we can't obey God's law without Jesus in our lives. In principle, we can Without Jesus, forget it. With Jesus, yes. 
We sin easy down here with our sinful natures and our sinful habits. So God sent Jesus to save us. Thus Christ is what the book of Malachi calls the messenger of the covenant. In Exodus 23, 20, 21, he says, I will send an angel before you. That's not an angel, it's the angel of the Lord. God in angel form. He says, he'll lead you to the land that I promised. Do not rebel against him, for my name is in him. He possesses the covenant nature of deity. Isaiah called him the Redeemer, the angel of his presence. He's identified as Yahweh in Isaiah 44, 6. Friends, we need Christ, the messenger of the covenant, who brings who God is into our lives. And just like the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus pointed his disciples to his holy name, Yahweh, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, before the cross. Turn to verse 11, John 17. Christ says, and now I am no more in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to thee, Holy Father, Keep them in thy name, which thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Remember, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. That is a representation, a single principle of the Ten Commandments, of the nature of God. So when a man or woman keeps God's name and God's law, which are the same thing, They do his righteous will right here on earth as it is in heaven. What will they be like if they do that? What will be their natures? They will be like God in a way. They won't be gods, but they'll be like him in character. Now, how do we know what it looks like down here to be kept in God's holy name? We need to have content to that in the Yahweh prayer. What's the evidence that God's name is written on our hearts, our foreheads? What is it that makes us children of God in terms of the outcome where you can see it tangibly? The next two statements in the kingdom prayer provide the answer to the question. In the first statement, Jesus affirms that God's people must live every day on the word of God. He said, well, Pastor Mike, i got a lot going on in my life. I don't have time for Bible reading, really. Give me one good, smart idea from a theologian in a devotional book, and I'm on my way. You ever do that? You don't, yeah, because some people don't even read that. That's pretty bad. Aren't we a busy people today? Come on. God is saying, wait a second. If you want my name on your forehead, you need me in your life. His people are the people of the word. I hold my Bible here. I frankly could care less what some good advice somebody could give me. I want God's word in my life. I want the word of God, the commands of God, the wisdom of God. I don't want someone to sit here and say, well, let me tell you about all the problems in the Bible. This doesn't agree with this, and this is an error here. You can just take those people right out of my life. They don't help me get to heaven. I want men and women to teach and preach the Bible, and the Bible only is the Word of God. You know, to have that, we have to have a personal devotional time with God. Now, some of you, that works good in the morning. Others maybe in the evening. I find if you pray and you carry the Bible with you in the day, I have it on my computer. It helps me get through the day. Daily bread. Matthew 6, 11, Jesus said, Give us this day our daily bread. In the book of Daniel... The Antichrist power rose up and he took the daily away from the prince of the host, that's Jesus. He tried to take the Bible away from the church of the Middle Ages. So what's the bread that fell every day in the Exodus? The bread was called manna. By the way, manna is just a Hebrew word that goes ma-na. What is it? I'd like to start a restaurant chain. Don't anyone steal this and trademark it. I like to call it, what is it? Manna. No one would come, would they? Who wants to eat? What is it? Well, that's what they ate for 40 years. What is it? And they lived. They were healthy. They were happy. Three verses. Deuteronomy 8, 2 to 3. 
And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Look at verse 3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. What is it? Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That's what, what is it means. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Yahweh talk is manna. What is it? Now look at John 6.48, number 2. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Number three, John 6.51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Friends, when you open your Bible in the morning, you start reading. I was reading Psalm 62 this morning. It spoke to me. The living and abiding word of God reached out to me from the Bible because Christ is in this book. God carried the Bible from its very beginning, when the law of Moses was given, to the time it was incorporated into canonical form with the Tanakh, a little before the Second Temple period, with the men of the great synagogue, probably at the time of Jadua, who was a contemporary of Alexander the Great. And the Bible coalesced in the Old Testament. Then the New Testament writers came online who knew Jesus. And then the struggle for the Bible from the early first century to the Middle Ages through the Reformation. And then when the Reformation was over and the French Revolution had settled... They kick the Apocrypha out of our Bible, thank goodness. And the Bible that lands in our hands in the year 1826, just in time for the time of the end, is the infallible Word of God carried by the living and abiding Christ. Even what we would consider textual variants were incorporated providentially into the text so that God's Word is for us at this time. I know that because of the research I've been doing in linguistic studies, that God has carried his word, not just inspired it in the past. Friend, Jesus offers you himself every single day in your Bible. The most precious thing you can have in your life is Jesus in the Bible. Jesus is the word of God that feeds you. God's law and God's name are in him because God is one and Jesus is one with God and you get the Father's name on your forehead by living in this book. Christ died for you, friend, to atone for God's law. We broke his name. We messed it up. We shattered his law. And he did it to show you that God is more merciful than he is just in saving you. The first principle of his name is mercy and forgiveness. Friends, Jesus gave his flesh on the cross of Calvary to establish the law forever. He spoke the law at Sinai. He demonstrated the law on the cross in the darkness and silence of the cross, when God the Father and God the Son are taking care of every sin in your life, from Adam to the end, He did it. We hear nothing, but we see the glory that is the character and the law the name of God. How important is a daily devotional life in your Bible? Immensely. If you want to do God's will and get it right with God, then don't ignore your daily bread. How many of you ate breakfast before you came to church? Some of you didn't. Okay, that's all right. I did. Four eggs, an omelet, two pieces of toast with olives in them. You know, olives are like the tree of life kind of stuff. And two pieces of toast with strawberry jam. My wife says, strawberry jam not good for you. I eat it anyway because I like it. Okay, and I eat it with good butter, which isn't probably the best either. But on Sabbath mornings, I want the best, okay, because I want to feel good when I get to church. 
Now, friend, the best food you can eat is right here in this book. Because you can't live for God right unless you feed on the life of Jesus that was right all the time, that is right for you every minute of your life as your righteousness imputed and imparted the word of God as our food. In addition to the daily bread, the second statement that follows shows us how a kingdom believer who is a sinner by nature, are you in the sinner by nature club? Come on, raise your hands, I am. Will by the power of the living Christ treat others who are sinners too. Here's real overcoming. Matthew six twelve. Jesus said, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Wait a second there. That's pretty stout stuff, Lord. Forgive us our debts. I like that part. But as, as we have forgiven those who sin against us, our debtors. In the first statement, Jesus affirms that God's people must live every day on the word of God. Here, Jesus proclaims that God's law is more about mercy than it is justice. While justice is there, fully there, it's predominantly mercy. Even justice is mercy when it works the right way. Friend, we worship a kind and loving God whose very name means he forgives us. So if I were to ask you, remember Moses on the mountain? When he said, look, I want to know your name. Show me your glory. In Deuteronomy 32, 6, the Lord passed before him and said, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord. That's God the Father, God the Son. A God, merciful, gracious, forgiving iniquity, transgression, sin. The Hebrew, Nassah, carrying it. So the name of God, the heart of the name, is the love, mercy, forgiveness of God. So what happens when you have resentment in your heart towards somebody that you should forgive? What happens when somebody messed with your mind and did something to you and you're angry about it? Has that ever happened to you or am I alone in this world? Have you ever had somebody do something you just get mad about it? Man, they hurt me, right? Man, they gaslit me. I was saying something, it made me act like I was crazy when I was getting to the point of the thing. Or, boy, they're just out to get me. Now, I don't have a victim complex, but I've been on the rough end of the stick a few times in life. Maybe you have too. Friend, resentment is that at the heart of the power of human addictions that binds people to the power of sin. When resentment is dealt with, a soul is set free. The Ten Commandment law of God given in Mount Sinai starts with the great proclamation that God is mercy and that God delivers his people from every form of bondage. Resentment is a chain in your life. It is bondage. God wants it out of the life. Look at Exodus 20, verses 2 and 3. I am the Lord your God. Here he is. Who? See, so this is the content of the divine name. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage? Therefore, understood, you shall have no other gods before me. You are to worship me because I take the chains out of your life. When you forgive someone from the heart, and that's hard, you really set that someone free and you set yourself free. And you cancel a debt that kept that person chained in bondage to you. And God would have that person have no other God in their life than God. And so Jesus says that we should pray that God forgives us just as we forgive everyone else and not one bit more. That's the hard part. So how do you know that you are saved? (laughs) Well, if you forgive and you mean it and you believe, then you know. You know it only if you have faith in Christ and you forgive from your heart everyone who hurts you. That's a higher standard than any legalist could throw at you. That's getting to the heart of things. 
Because when you forgive someone from your heart, the law of God is written there on the heart where the name of God is written on your forehead as proof that you have a Father in heaven whose name is holy in you. And as it is in heaven, it's in you. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so you have forgiven as he forgives. Finally, Jesus ends his prayer with a simple request from our Father. The longer ending found in the King James Version in Matthew 6.13 is not part of the original prayer. You notice when we say the Lord's Prayer, we end by saying, For thine is the, help me here, the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. Do you realize that's not in the oldest manuscripts? The manuscripts of the first, second centuries up to the third century. You don't have it there. It comes in the fourth century. Of course, the skeptic would say, well, that's not part of the Bible. Well, is it in your Bible? It's in mine, right? The question is, why is it there? Now, is Jesus the living and abiding Word of God, or was he only the Word of God in the day of the prophet? We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Living a body work, you know what's happening? Some scribe was reading that, and the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, had him add that. It was inspired in the 4th century. It ends up in our Bible, and it's been demonstrated by linguistic analysis. It's in the chiastic superstructure of Scripture. It's meant to be there. Christ finishes his word through the centuries, if necessary, to give us the Lord's Prayer that we need now, at this time. So we don't need to argue about whether or not this is word of God or not. It is. That's a later edition that probably occurred in the 3rd or 4th century, but Jesus owns it. Matthew 6, 13. Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I ought to hear an amen for that, because I want to be delivered from evil. You have some evil biting at your heels in your life? You know, bark, 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 bark. I was in the Marshall Islands, student missionary, scuba diving, loving it, walking down the road. And these dogs would follow very silently and bite at your heels. You had to carry a big stick. I felt cruel and mean having to hit those dogs with a stick. The alternative was to be bitten real bad by a dog. Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Greek has a definite article before the word evil. It's not just any evil here, it is the evil that Jesus is talking about in his prayer. And for that reason, it should most likely be translated this way. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God's forgiveness in Jesus delivers you and me from Satan's hold on our lives. It breaks the chains. When you forgive someone else who has wronged you, who has hurt you, who has damaged you, you are delivered from the evil one in that situation, and so are they. When you forgive, Satan has no power in your life. And more than this, you help that person to be delivered. You show them the love and kindness of God. You become a change agent for salvation in their life. Jesus said, deliver us from the evil one. Jesus began his prayer with his Father, claimed as ours. And after he ends his prayer, Jesus points us to the assurance that we can all have in the judgment day before his Holy Father, whose name is holy. Look at verse 14, Matthew 6. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also 
will forgive you. Now pause there. That's huge. What happens if you forgive that person you can't stand? Come on, look at your Bible. What happens? God forgives you. So make a list of everyone you don't like. That person that's messing with you this week. Start praying for that person and forgive them. And you know what you have? You have the forgiveness of God rushing like a river into your life. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus means what he says. Forgive, forgive, forgive. That's been hard in my life. I'll be frank with you. I grew up hating my father because I never knew him, because he abandoned us, left my mother in poverty. I was nothing but resentment until the age of 15 when God led me to his bedside providentially, miraculously. I didn't know where my dad was on the face of earth. And I walk into Fletcher Academy, first day of school, the name Leroy Oxentenko, learned of it, and he was in the hospital dying. One year before, he had laid his sins at the cross and asked Jesus to find his children before he died because he was terminally ill. Because of alcohol and other reasons, genetic problems with the liver, he was on his way out of planet Earth at the age of 44, I believe. I'm not good at keeping record of those things. But when I walked into his room, And he said, son, that's the first word he said to me. It didn't matter all that stuff that he had done. There was something there. It wasn't my dad so much speaking to me. It was God speaking to me through my father. And that was the moment when I knew, irregardless of whether I had a human father on earth, there is a God who has orchestrated my life to come into connection with my father to link me to my father God. My dad lived two months after that. I lost him quickly. I have never lost God since because God is my Father. The kingdom prayer, the King James Version, Matthew 6, 19 and 13. Let's read it together. You can do it from memory. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Yahweh prayer in our Bible for the last days has the longer ending. Look at Matthew 6.13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For How does it go? For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. And amen. Why did Christ allow that to come in? Friend, this is a direct quote from Daniel 7, 13, and 14. When the Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days in the pre-Advent judgment in heaven to receive His kingdom, at the time of the end, one name at a time, He will confess the names of His people from Adam to the end. And so this verse comes into the Yahweh prayer for the last days because we need confidence in the judgment that we are accepted before our Father God. For thine is the kingdom. We don't get ourselves to heaven. God gets us in. Jesus will confess before his Father the names of every single man or woman who has his Father's name written on their foreheads. He will confess them as his family. He will confess them as the purchase of the cross, as his Father's family, one name at a time, until his kingdom is given to him. Luke 19.12 says, A nobleman went into a far-off country to receive his kingdom. Christ went to heaven to receive his kingdom one name at a time in the investigative pre-advent judgment predicted in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. 
to take the cross, the victory of his life, to his Father in the very presence of God where Satan sinned and rebelled. To call us all by name, to claim us in the judgment because of the cross. I mean, don't let anyone tell you that the teaching of the pre-advent judgment is nonsense and harsh. We need that judgment. Christ died on the cross for us. He stands in the judgment at the time of the end for us as our advocate and friend before our Father God. And so he will confess our names as his family and his Father's family, one name at a time, until his kingdom is given to him and then he returns. So when you pray the Yahweh prayer, never forget that Jesus is the one who leads us home to our Father and friend in a never-ending kingdom of love and kindness that is based on who God is, that is the promise in us of his holy name. So I would ask you, let us always pray the Yahweh prayer. Are you with me? Let's pray the Yahweh prayer in Jesus' name. And let it be so. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus who carries the name. And Father, for the person here who feels that salvation is far from them, may they know that Jesus died to save them. That God revealed his law and character at the cross for them. Their families can be saved. Their lives can be changed. They can live in a kingdom of light. Give us grace for the rest of this day and week and bring us back to you to honor your name, to live for you forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. That will conclude the Yahweh Prayer with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Today's Reaching Your Heart. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.